Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Be known on Inside Sports has won the NHL draft lottery. One of the placeholder spots for the losing teams from the qualifying round wins the draft lottery. That's the story tonight. L.A. to pick second, Ottawa to pick both third and fifth. They had San Jose's pick as well. And the Detroit Red Wings, who had the best odds going into the draft lottery, don't win any of the three slots. They are going to pick fourth. Just to recap, because a few people have texted in to 780-496-0063. What if the playoffs don't get finished? What if the, the season gets canceled? Elliot Friedman tweeted out about half an hour ago, If, for whatever reason, the play-in cannot be completed, the remaining bottom eight teams will have a one-and-eight shot at the top selection. Of course, many of you, how does this affect the Oilers? So if the season gets cancelled between now and the start of the qualifying round, the Oilers cannot pick first overall. If they play the qualifying round and the Oilers beat Chicago, the Oilers cannot pick first overall. If they play the qualifying round and the Oilers are defeated by the Chicago Blackhawks, the Oilers would go into a second draft lottery with the seven other qualifying round losers. They would draw one team out of the eight. That's a one in eight chance. That's 12.5%. So that's what you need to worry about if you're only worrying about how this affects the Oilers. I think that sums it up. I know there's even more math involved than usual when it comes to the draft lottery, but that's what happened tonight. I I don't think the NHL wanted this to happen as we bring in Bob Stoffer, the excellent host of Oilers now from noon to two every day on 630 Chet. Bob, I I think if you would have asked Bill Daly and Gary Bettman, okay, ideally what happens tonight, I don't think they would have wanted one of the undiscovered teams getting one of those spots, especially first overall. Well, I can tell you, and Reed, thank you for the uh, compliment. I'll make sure you get a $20 bill the next time I see you. Uh, the The fact of the matter is I'd spoken to, uh, you know, Ken Holland about this and a couple other uh, executives, uh, one of whom had a vested interest in the proceedings today. Uh, so you can figure out who that is, but uh, maybe a, a team that's in Canada, that's all you need to know. Uh, wow. I mean, this really is... In, in, in what has been just an unbelievably, unbelievable year that is 2020 so far, if you're the National Hockey League, doesn't this just kind of take the cake at this stage of the game? Like, it just, it's, you just had to know it was going to happen. The moment Bill Daly showed up with the uh, eight cards instead of the seven, at that point, there's lots of guys sitting there cheering. Oh, man, could you imagine if it's the number one overall pick and it's the number one overall pick? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a wild one. I mean, we got multiple different scenarios now. Obviously, you know, the Oilers could be the Oilers could be drafted number one, and they could be playing in the Stanley Cup final if we do indeed get a chance to play. And there's going to have to be a lot to happen uh, between now and then. So this is a, hey, it's called a lottery for a reason. Uh, you never know who's going to win it. What, I think it worked out to about a 2.5 percent chance that one of those uh, eight teams ended up having that uh, that spot, and that's the way it's worked out. Let's have some fun with it. 
Yeah, Bob, no, Bob, because I obviously I have the TV on with the sound down. I haven't seen anything on Twitter. Did they say which actual slot won the draft lottery? Because no. Team A was at 6% and Team H was at 1%. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got but the, the impre- average I, would have been what you were saying. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I To be honest with you, I mean, there's I've been getting so many texts back and forth, and some of it's had to do with the Hub City stuff. But it's craziness, Reed. That's, that's really all there is to it. I mean, it's... I, I can't imagine, you know, they're, they're sitting there getting ready to interview Alexis Lafreniere, and now he doesn't know where he's going, so they have to bail out of the interview with Lafreniere. Uh, Pierre Dorian, the general manager of Ottawa, he's going to have the uh, Quebec Nordique special from 1988. They drafted third and fifth overall. That's the only time in the last, uh, at least the last 35 years, um, where teams had two top five picks in the same draft year. So... Um, interesting stuff to say. Well, the Sedins, right? Yeah, but they traded. They traded. That's, I mean, holding the picks. Oh, like going actually in, going into the draw. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Was um, that uh, Curtis LeCision on somebody? What year was that? You got it. Daniel Dore and Curtis LeCision. How did that one okay, pan I out? I remember but, the other one. But you know what? They drafted so bad in 1988 in Quebec that they got the number one pick the next three years. So they ended up getting Matt Sundino and Nolan and Eric Lindros. Um, and then... You know, Marcelo Boo ended up moving the team and uh, selling the team to Colorado. And, uh, you know, Lindros became uh, the guy by the name of Peter Forsberg. And that one certainly worked out for uh, Colorado, not necessarily for Quebec. This is crazy. Like, when you think about it, I it would not surprise me if they're, like, if the, the Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks, those organizations, I think they'd probably rather take a swing and having that number one overall pick. I mean, could you imagine Alexis Lafreniere with the Montreal Canadiens, how great of a fit that would be? And, and I'm going to throw something at you, too. I, I, I know Stolze has moved up in a lot of the uh, – a lot of. I still – I have Quentin Byfield as a clean number two, and people say, well, nobody's seen you – know, Bob, you haven't seen the guy play. Nobody's seen him play. You know, some of the experts out there actually see him play. I have a theory when it comes to uh, Team Canada and the World Juniors – if you're a skill guy and you're not in a support role and you go in ahead of your draft year, often it works against you. And I think it works against Quentin Byfield. And if he's playing for any other country in the world, he's in their top six all the time, driving the valuation of the player up. Byfield, six foot four, he's a way better skater than Leon Dreisaitl was at the same age. I'm not saying he's got the same vision on the ice, but this guy's a special player. I don't know how the L.A. Kings can pass on him at number two. And I've communicated that to a couple of guys I know in Los Angeles. Like, I know, you know, and Kopitar might be pushing for uh, the German kid. But if I'm a six-foot-four-and-a-half center, again, if he played for any other country in the world, he's playing in their top six. But the way Canada runs with the world junior team, even Connor McDavid the year before his draft year, uh, he didn't, he, you know, he played on the wing. That's what they, they do that all the time. So it's funny how it just seems that some of the guys, I think there's too much negative criticism of Canadian players in the world juniors going into the draft. And some of the other countries benefit. Like Settle is a 16-year-old dominated for Germany, Reed. Right. Uh, this person just wrote in, I think in typical NHL style, I'll put money on it that Montreal will get the first overall pick. Well, this isn't 1970, whatever, and Montreal can't trade other teams good players, so they pass the team whose pick they have <laughs> to, to, right, to drive the other team down to finish 1971, last. Yeah, 1971 draft, absolutely. The uh, Canadians moved a couple guys to Minnesota, and they moved Ralph Backstrom. Uh, off as well uh, so that they could end up getting the number one pick which they previously secured from the uh, California team. All right, Bob Stoffer. Or from, from Los Angeles and because and, they had the number one pick from the Golden Seals. 
Right, and they and they got uh, obviously one of your favorite players of all Guy time, Lafleur. So that was yeah. that was uh, yeah. I, Montreal can't quite do that this year, but uh, I, I I mean yeah, Montreal. I mean certainly you pick Pittsburgh, but in, in these short series, who's going to know for sure? Okay, Hub Cities, Bob. We've been following this. Uh, I mean, obviously yesterday afternoon, Vancouver was confirmed to be totally out. Uh, I had Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver on my show last night. You talked a lot of, uh, about it today with Elliot Friedman. I played the the clip that he gave you about the concerns that there still might be about Edmonton and Toronto. But, I, I mean, look, we, we both follow the COVID numbers. We wish they were zero in Edmonton. They're not, but they're still pretty darn low compared to, oh, let's see the state of Nevada and uh, the, the city of Las Vegas. I wonder if they're going to wind up almost being forced to go with the two Canadian cities just because COVID in the United States is going up again in so many areas. Well, you heard the Elliott interview, and he said that he believed that Vegas and Vancouver had been agreed to. Vancouver is out. Uh, I wonder if at some point the state of Nevada has to maybe look at it. I mean, they've they've just slapped on a full uh, order um, that you have to be attired with a mask on in that market. Clark County's uh, up to 12,204 confirmed cases, 408 deaths. Reed, the state of Nevada had another 500-plus positive tests today. This is not going down there. And logic dictates that they're going to have significant numbers for at least two more weeks. Um, and people will say, but, Bob, they're going to have their own separate, uh, uh, you know, their own separate, resort and and possibly two resorts and the families can stay there and i'm just i after a while i think the the concern i would have for the national hike first of all it should be safety first for the players that's number one number two the concern i'd have with las vegas if i was the nhl and frankly if i was an agent of one of the players or one of the players is has the uh, proverbial horse been let out of the barn is it too late now to crank down the way they're trying to crank down because it's going to uh, end up affecting every part of uh, the society in Las Vegas. The other thing, Reed, I don't know if the players are going to be disciplined just to stay in, you know, the quarantine zone. So uh, this is going to be really intriguing to me to see how it plays out because, frankly, if we we're basing this solely on where the status of the virus is at right now, Vegas would not be in the number one hole. It sounds like I, I got texts from two more players from non-Oiter uh, players today, and they're both of the volition uh, that not only are is Vegas in, but the Western, uh, it's going to be Vegas and Toronto, and they believe that uh, they, you know, they're like, Bob, we're going, the, the the teams from the West are going to Las Vegas. It's a done deal. So we'll wait also, and see. Also, now, te- now they would let Vegas play at home after all. They've gone yep. back and forth on that. Yep. Haven't they? And Toronto, uh, Toronto is the lone Eastern. There, there's a real desire from the league, even though I don't think John Tory is been the most persistent in this. I mean, they kind of waited for things to, to drop down in Ontario a bit. But the problem is they've seen a substantial spike in Las Vegas. I know you heard Spec on the show today as well. He's like, mm-hmm. Bob, think about what Las Vegas is known for. And right. that is what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Now, Reed, you know this. That's not true. What happens in Vegas now beats you home because of things like cell phones and Twitter and Instagram and all those sort of things. I, I'm going to be like, I actually think the fact that they didn't announce today, the longer this goes, the more it benefits Edmonton. I think Edmonton's in the three hole. I, and I think at some point the league has to have a serious conversation about where things are going out in Vegas, especially in light with what's happening down in Florida for the NBA. 
Yeah, well, and the numbers in Flint. I mean, Glenn Anderson, the, I don't know if you used that. Uh, I did not use it. I heard the interview, COVID. though. Yeah, but I heard you. Yeah, you, you heard what he said. I mean, Glenn sounds really concerned. He said he goes out with a mask and he wears gloves all the time going yeah. out in Florida. Yeah, and Glenn was a, you know, carefree player when he played. But this is serious stuff, and... Um, you know, I'm I'm led to believe that there were a lot of people, and like I know that the, the Tampa Bay situation. Remember, this is a team that voted against the original. They were one of the two teams, along with Carolina, that did not accept the return to play format initially, and. Uh, and that might, you know, I'm going to be really intrigued to see how this all plays out, Reed. Let's put it that way. Uh, right now, it looks like it's Vegas and Toronto, but there's no guarantee. I mean, maybe the league has to move away from Vegas at some point. A couple of quick hitters with you, Bob. Always great to have you on the show. I put out a Twitter poll last night, and, and I knew it was going to be a yes result. I was curious to see how heavily towards the yes side it would be. I've had over 1,500 votes. Now that Kevin Lowe is going into the Hockey Hall of Fame, should the Oilers retire number four in his honor? 80.3% uh, yes. Kevin told the story on your show about he and Patrick LaFord saying, let's have the Hall of Fame as the standard until we talk about retiring numbers. Uh, yeah. I, I, th I think the, the number should go up or, or be honored in some no, it's, way, absolutely. It, it's an automatic that it's going up. There, there's not even a debate about it. So it's a 100% chance it's going to be happening. Uh, he deserves to, uh, you know, the Oilers, and I know the fans got upset by the comment about, you know, there's two types of fans, and I talked to the season seat holders and the, the suite holders that are there because they have events where fans have access to uh, Oilers management at that time. And, um but I sensed over the last four months that the majority of the fans were on board with Kevin getting in, and I'm sure the fans will show him great respect, and it's going to be a special night. Whenever it is that happens during the 2021 season, if we uh, get to that point, Reed, and that's sure hope we do. Okay, a couple non-hockey ones just for fun from other news this week. Vince Carter retired. If I'm the Raptors, I retire his numbers. A little over six seasons, but to me, and I know they had Stoudemire win Rookie of the Year before Carter got there, but to me, he really took that team coast-to-coast coast and started making the Raptors Canada's team. Uh, that and the failure of the team in Vancouver. But, yeah, I'm with True. you. He, he, should, he should be retired. His jersey should be retired in Toronto. Absolutely. And with Phil Mickelson leading the Travelers Championship at the age of 50, Bob, how much hope, if any, does that provide you and me for our athletic careers? Uh, Reed, uh, let's just say you're a guy that has to think your way around situations. <laughs> I, on the other hand, would probably have to lose about 40 pounds to be able to do anything these days. <laughs> That's, I love the way you put that, Bob. Hey, thanks for spending part of your Friday night with me. I'm sure we'll be talking Monday, man. Have a great weekend. Yeah, absolutely, Reed. Take care. That is Bob Stoffer. You get him every weekday, noon to 2, Oilers Now here on 630 Chet. Well, I might have to make that maybe my Twitter bio. Described by Bob Stoffer as a man who has to think his way around many situations. But yeah, how about that? Phil Mickelson at the age of 50 does lead the Travelers Championship by one stroke. Mackenzie Hughes, the Canadian who shot that 60 yesterday, is one of the guys... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Unshot off the lead. It's 20 after 7. We'll take a quick timeout 
Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Up City announcement in the NHL should be Monday or Tuesday. Draft lottery tonight. The undiscovered team wins the first overall pick, so that'll go to one of the eight qualifying round losers. L.A. to pick second. Ottawa to pick third and fifth. Detroit to pick fourth. Anaheim, New Jersey, and Buffalo round out the top eight. You've heard some players say it publicly. Many players have said it off the record. They have a varying degree of concerns or reservations about finishing this season. Artemi Panarin with the New York Rangers posted this on a social media account. I am very much looking forward to the playoffs with the New York Rangers. I have concerns not only about the health of players and their families, but also about the long-term prosperity of the NHL. For nearly two decades, the players have protected the owner's income with escrow, including throughout this pandemic crisis, even as owner's equity continues to grow exponentially. It's time to fix the escrow. We as players cannot report to camp to resume play without already having an agreement in place. We are all in this together. Also, I know the process for selection of the hub cities is ongoing. I sincerely wish that my teammates and I could train and play games at MSG and bring employment and economic opportunities safely back to New York City for Ranger fans and all New Yorkers. That was our Temi Panarin posting that on uh, on social media. I've certainly had a couple of players uh, say to me, not Oilers players, that they're kind of like, oh man, like how are we going to do this? What if somebody gets sick? Can you really keep the bubble secure? I, I thought Bob had some awesome thoughts there about Vegas that, you know, if you're going into Vegas, are, are you going to stay in the bubble? Are, sure, maybe most players will, but what if a few guys decide they're going to sneak out and get the virus and, and bring it back and, and a bunch of players get sick? There are a lot of questions. It is not a sure thing the NHL plays, but they're doing their darndest to try to make it happen, uh, you know, probably July 30th for a start. October 5th would be the last day of the Stanley Cup final free agency, probably November 1st or right around there. That's how they're looking to plot things out, but still a lot to be decided. Okay, we got to call a quick timeout. More on the National Hockey League in the final half hour, and we'll also visit with Mike Morreale, the CEO and commissioner of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. What will happen for the Edmonton Stingers this summer? Coming up. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet NHL Draft Lottery. The first one for this summer is in the books. That's because one of the placeholder teams won the first overall pick. So the eight teams who lose in the qualifying round will go into the second lottery. They'll each have a 12.5% chance to win. L.A. second, Ottawa picks third and fifth, Detroit fourth. That is your headline story tonight. Hub City's likely to be selected next week. Bob Stoffer and I were talking about that. Certainly uh, Edmonton with... 
Well, Bob thinks they're uh, in the three hole. Maybe now Vegas and Toronto have the best chances, but high COVID numbers in Nevada, in Las Vegas. So it could be wind up being the two Canadian cities. So obviously something we'll be following next week. All right. Well, sports obviously greatly affected in Edmonton, across Canada. Uh, here in Edmonton, the Eskimos are, are in a holding pattern. The CFL hoping to kick off in September. The Edmonton Prospects and the uh, Western Canadian Baseball League, that season has been canceled. No Edmonton Triathlon, no Edmonton Marathon. Uh, FC Edmonton back to, uh, to practicing, so they're hoping to get in some games. And the Canadian Elite Basketball League, a story as well. I thought the Edmonton Stingers put out a really good product last year. I was able to go to one of their home games, high scoring, good paced basketball. They had a pretty good season, didn't wind up uh, winning the season ending tournament, but had a pretty good year. So this league is adjusting as well. And we welcome back to the show, the CEO and commission of the CEBL. It is Mike Morreale. Mike, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's always nice to have you on the show. Uh, as, as I've been saying to almost everybody for the last three months, we wish the circumstances were different. It, it is pretty crazy times. I thought you guys had uh, a, a strong season in the CEBL, a first season last year. It, it's always tough for a new league to, to make some inroads, and then, uh, bang, you get slapped with this. So uh, can, is it possible to sum up the adjustment that you guys have had to live through recently? Well, we didn't write this this one in the book. Uh, you know, we didn't plan for this in our business plan, but it has been obviously a major adjustment, but something that we've taken as a as a challenge, and and one that I think that uh, you know we've been fortunate enough to put ourselves in a in a in a good position to resume soon. So, you know, we we finished last year strong. Was very excited about that, and then we turned that into a really good off season, uh, being able to add another team in Ottawa, add uh, you know a three year CBC partnership. And next thing you know, it comes March and we're all shut down. So it's it's been it's been tough. There's no doubt about that. There's been no revenues whatsoever since uh, that March timeline. And of course, us uh, excited to announce our event. But that event itself is is going to cost money. But it's a it's a calculated risk. Uh, not from a health perspective, we we feel very confident in what we're doing. But you know, you want to get your guys back on the court. You want to display the brand. You want to do it in a safe and healthy way. And I think we're best suited to return. And I think that's why you saw our announcement yesterday. Now, prior to this, was it not Edmonton that was going to host the year-end playoff tournament? Yes. So we had planned to come to Edmonton for championship weekend, which would have taken place in around the 14th and 16th of August through that weekend. Uh, That unfortunately had to get uh, canceled along with our regular season as we knew it. And then we moved into our uh, summer series tournament format and, and still kept the the concept of our championship weekend, our single elimination uh, playoff, but uh, it will be done in the location in Ontario rather than out there. But we hope to be back in 2021, and we're working on that already. Okay, so tell me how the the season, such as it is, the tournament's going to work here in St. Catharines. It's about a month from now. You want to tip that off? Yeah, we're going to tip off July 25th. Uh, teams will be coming into town on the 14th of July. They'll have, a, we'll have some testing days to begin, have some buffer days, and then we'll hit the court around the 17th. Uh, six of the seven teams will train in Niagara. Uh, we'll have one team that will train off-site. And then uh, everybody will be joined and ready to go uh, starting on the 25th for, for our games. And then it's a round-robin tournament. All 
seven teams will play each other once. Uh, we'll get the rankings, eliminate the seventh-ranked team, and then one and two get the uh, bump into the semis, and the bottom four will play in the quarterfinals and so on and so forth up to a championship game on August 9th. Okay, so yeah, that'll be all single elimination, or are you doing any best of threes? No, all single elimination. That's, that's how we do our, our championship weekend already, and it's kind of a NCAA Final Four type feel, and, and it works for us, and it creates excitement, and we're going to stick with that. Okay. Well, I mean, good for you for getting a season in. Because usually you, you played 20 games last year, did you not? Each team played 20? That's right. Yeah, and was it going to be the same this year? It was planned to be the same this year, even with the addition of Ottawa. I think as we continue to grow, uh, hopefully get to that eighth team in 2021, we'll probably look at a 24-game season, uh, potentially in time get to that 28-game season, and it gives more home games for our home fans and, and something to cheer about. So we're, we're getting there. We're taking our baby steps, and we're trying to do it as, uh, as smart as possible. Are you going to be able to allow any fans in St. Catharines for this, or will it have to be in, uh, in a gym with just team personnel? Yeah, it'll just be in the Meridian Centre lockdown. We we um, we didn't even uh, contemplate it, to be quite honest. If, if that's something that happens by chance, then great. But we certainly didn't make it part of the plan because we weren't too uh, well. We weren't too prepared if that did happen, and we wanted to you know prepare ourselves the other way and say, okay, can we do this without fans? Uh, that I think that's the most important way to look at it initially. And then we felt really comfortable with what we were doing, and uh, I, I hope the fans can watch, but they'll have to watch from home. Okay, and well, how's it going to work for testing and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so everybody will get tested. Um, they'll they won't be able to touch the floor until they've uh, obviously tested negative, and there'll be strict uh, protocols in place for screening on a regular basis and and other sanitation protocols. We'll have three safe zones, which will be our you know our accommodation site, our training camp site in our competition venue, which is the Meridian Center. So the access will be restricted to only those that have gone through all of our protocols and testing um, to keep everybody safe. And then there's a level of just policing each other, I think, uh, you know, when, you, when it comes down to it, just ensuring people that they're maintaining the social distancing and doing all those things they can uh, when they can, when they're in those types of close quarter situations. So um, like anything, you know, you, you assume a, a small bit of risk, uh, but I feel, and you know, our protocols have been vetted many times over by people much smarter than me. And uh, we feel quite confident uh, as does the region and the chief medical officer in Niagara that we're able to do this and, and we have all the right protocols in place. Okay, Mike Morreale joining us at Inside Sports, CEO and Commissioner of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. So he's telling you how they're going to go ahead uh, with their with their tournament and still crown a champion in, in 2020. I, I really, just to talk about some other things with the, with the league, Mike, I, I thought it was really, really good how each team, uh, I think they were each allowed two youth sports players who could get some experience and then still go back university um I, I don't know if that's affected at all by everything going on with U sports but brody clark who was a great u of a golden bear uh played for the stingers last summer i i, I just thought that was a, a really positive initiative by you guys in U sports well you know yeah we we put some thought into that and we we want to you know this league's all about showcasing our talent and our canadian talent but also you know developing it so you look at our, our coaching lineups and i would say the majority of them have come straight from U sport or had a connection to U sport almost all every single one of them uh and we felt it was important to develop the players of tomorrow so we spent a long time uh, working with U-Sport to come to that developmental uh, kind of contract for these kids. So a guy like Brody Clark can come play with us. 
uh, and then return to school and not lose any eligibility. And we, we pay him in the form of an educational grant right to the school. So, you know, that allows us to start training these young kids, getting them exposed to a pro game. They get to travel with pros. They get to play with pros. It just, you know, makes them better players. And they're playing a game. Now they've got some game tape. And so we've done the same for this year. We had our U Sports draft, and all every team picked – three of their players some are the current year graduates some are still have eligibility remaining and i i think with everything going on this year and the closure of some of these programs at university uh this couldn't be more timely for some of these young kids you know mike with with my schedule obviously working into the evening i was only able to go to one stingers game last summer but it, it was an up-tempo game both teams topped 100 points and i just know from following the scores i i mean it was it was fast-paced basketball. The scores went up there. You know, there wasn't, you know, a seven- or eight-point lead late in the game wasn't safe. I know as, as commissioner of the league, you can't tell teams how, how to play, but I, I was I was pretty pleased that that's how it turned out. I mean, it wasn't a, a plotting, use-the-whole-shot-clock, let's-win 77-72 style of basketball. Mm-hmm. I was very pleased the teams just went after it. Well, yeah, you know, you don't know what to expect. At least I didn't before we hit the floor last year, and, and I knew the talent would be great, but I didn't know what type of style of game we'd play. And remember, we play a FIBA game, so these are 10-minute uh, quarters instead of 12. So to score, you know, I think we averaged just shy of 100 points a game. That's pretty pretty big for FIBA. And what I noticed was all these guys, they're not taking plays off. Everybody knows they got, they're got they on tape, they're being watched, they're looking for their next pro job in Europe or beyond, um, and, and we're the platform to make it happen. So I was really impressed with the pace of the game. Like you said, there was no stalling, no stall tactics, no slowing of the clock. It was, it was good, good basketball. And I, and I think what we've noticed this year um, is the amount of, players that want in and we had over 70 plus new players that have joined us and and these guys are big name guys i think 16 of them uh, have played on the senior men's national team at one point uh so we have talent that is strong and you add that to, to g league talent and even some nba guys that have uh, had the a taste of the nba and now are playing with us it's uh, it's been really cool to watch mike morielli joining us on inside sports mike are you still doing tiger cats games well, I am technically. I'd love to well, see you would have been yeah. on the air to do it. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I, well, uh, I should. <laughs> I, I should clarify for people listening. If people are thinking, "Hey, this guy has the same name as the guy who used to play in the CFL," <laughs> no, it is the same guy. Uh, it's not the yep. same name. Uh, Mike, of course, uh, a very good CFL receiver for the Argos and the Tiger Cats. You went back and forth uh, between the two teams and, and broadcasting Tiger Cats games as well. I, I mean, I guess as a former player and as a broadcaster. And I guess you kind of have a commissioner's hat on, yeah. on, for, on for this as well. I mean, how how are you feeling about the uh, the plight that the Canadian Football League uh, is in? You know, Randy's been on, been on with me a couple of times. He's working hard. You know, the players have had some gripes, but they're trying to to work through it as well. And I know when you've you've played in the CFL, you you know you're gonna love it for your entire yeah. life. So how are you feeling right now? Yeah, I guess I bring a pretty neat uh, approach to it. You know, now being a commissioner of a league and, and being a former player and being a former CFLPA president. So I kind of, I get it, I understand it, and I, and I can see, you know, where 
the issues are and why there's breakdowns and, and the difficulty of returning. I mean, this is not an, an easy thing for us. You know, 85% of our guys are Canadian. They're already in the, in the, in the country. Uh, with them, I mean, it's, you know, 50% maybe at best are Canadian and the rest are American and out of the country and international. And there's a lot of complexities to that, especially when you have 60, 80, 100 people or personnel per team. So um, I feel for it. It, it. The one thing that that, uh, you know, I guess I reminisce is that it made me who I am. The CFL, you know, helped me to become where I am now and every step along the way. And, boy, I'd hate for that not to be around just even from a cultural perspective, uh, the memories, the, you know, the moments and what it's done for the country. It, it's you can't replace that. That was built over 100 plus years. So I, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, whether they play this year or not, they can survive and they find ways to, you know, build a better, better business and, and, and work together to make it happen. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, you know, again, I think the CEBL is a, is a great product. I'm glad you're finding a way to have a season. And obviously, I hope uh, next year it's it's back to maybe even that eighth team and, and playing the schedule as you did last summer. But, but keep in touch. I hope we can talk around tournament time as well. Thank you so much for checking in. Yeah, my pleasure, Reed. Have a great day. That is Mike Morreale, commissioner of the Canadian Elite Basketball League, which features the Edmonton Stingers. And as he told you, Edmonton was supposed to host the uh, the season-ending tournament. Now they're going to have a tournament round-robin for all seven teams. Top six make the single elimination playoffs, and they'll play it down from there. It is 747. Quick timeout. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. for tuning in it is the uh, mystery team the undiscovered team will pick first overall in the nhl draft one of the placeholder teams won the draft lottery tonight so now the eight teams who lose in the qualifying round will get put into a second lottery one of them will get picked for the first overall selection in the 2020 nhl draft alexis lafreniere the presumed top pick by whoever gets it la second ottawa third detroit fourth and ottawa also fifth as they had san jose uh, san jose selection as well you can text or call 780-496-0063 mark says hello reed here's the thing about artemi panarin's remarks i dare say he doesn't understand the purpose of the escrow the holdback if the players don't like paying it they could always opt out to not take the cap increase they seem to opt for that every year the owners are carrying all the risk. The players get 50% of the gross. The owners pay all the expenses out of their 50%. There are many teams that lose money in the NHL. Sure, the value of their franchises have increased, but that is certainly the long game. It seems to me that margins are cut pretty close as it is. Maybe Panarin would feel a 60-40 split would be more equitable. Of course he would. Another player figuring he knows how to run a business. That is from former D-man Mark. Pete from Red Deer says, hey, I'm an oil field worker who leaves my family for two months or more. The hockey players make way more money than I do, and they are crying about leaving their family for two months. They make millions. We pay their wages when we go see them play live. That is from Pete from Red Deer. All right. 
Appreciate the remark. 780-496-0063. Do we have that Louis DeBrusca cut from Bob show, Kellen? Believe Should we be do. There. Yeah, let's get that. There. Louis DeBrusca, Bob asked him if you know if the players would be concerned about the virus, and and Louis says, yeah, they return to play. He he doesn't think it's a slam dunk. Here's what he said. How can it not be? I have been put yourself in that situation. I mean, I know there's a lot of, there's there's a lot of people that have different takes on the virus, and I understand that. But let's let's not kid ourselves. I mean, it was very high. It dropped off. It looked like we had it under control to a certain degree, and now there's been spikes again in a lot of different places around North America and the world. So it's concerning because those numbers are starting to go back up again. It's not plateauing. It's not leveling out and going. Is this the second wave that everybody's been talking about? So these are things that are all going to creep into your mind, and that's just any person that's going to creep into your mind, let alone people, hockey players, that are being asked to go put themselves into a group environment, into a bubble. All right, a little bit there from Louis to DeBrusque earlier today on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. We have Richard calling in tonight. Richard, how's your Friday evening? I'm doing grand. Good. Uh, What's up? I think there was a collective gasp of, oh, not this stuff again, when the Toronto fans realized that Edmonton may have a chance of that number one draft choice again. I, I think I could, I heard it all the way from Toronto out here in Alberta. Well, Toronto might have a chance at it too. That's the only I, thing, I, right? I, I, I realize that, but with the history of Edmonton and the, the way that the draft choice went, and the... I just think that there is a, a, a gas that went, oh, crap, they have a chance. Yeah, well, that's true. They do. I mean, like I said, you got to lose to Chicago and then get – so if they yeah. beat Chicago, it doesn't matter, right? Then you forget about it. They will say, in however dark the darkness, it doesn't matter. A light's still a light. There's a chance. <laughs> fair fair enough. Uh, was that you that called a few days ago, Richard, about that you weren't so sure you thought the season needed to be finished? Yes. Are you feeling any differently? I, I, I still don't – the, the, the thing, the big thing for me is that it's body fluids. No guys are out there, they're sweating, they're spitting, they're doing whatever. How do you control that? Well, that's a good point. I mean, that's why they're going to test them every day. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like Bob said, if it's in Vegas, yeah. what if five guys decide to go out, even if it's five out of 300? You know, that, uh, that, could, that could mess it up. And, and then what happens with the fight? You know, the <laughs> well, blood products yeah. all They're breathing out. right on each other, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's it's foolishness. But, but yeah, well, to me, to me, that's why the Canadian cities make sense. If if they're going to find a way to do it, why not go to the Canadian cities? That's I right. mean, I think that's just logical. And look, I, I get all the people who tell me, well, if the games are in Edmonton, we can't go. I understand that. But if you're worried about safety, Canada is safer than the United States. I don't think that's a biased Canadian opinion. I think that's just a factual statement. Not to be crude or anything, but right now I think they're trying to find the shiny end of the turd. I, I think it's... it's... <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, Richard. Thanks for calling. That's quite an image to leave you with. The shiny end of the turd. Oh, and the littlest hobo. Bet you he had a few shiny turds, didn't he? Kellen, great work this week. Yeah, it's been awesome being back two hours, and uh, I'll see you on Monday and Tuesday next week. I'm off the rest of the week, but see you Monday, Tuesday. That is Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. Dave Campbell is a producer of Inside Sports. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Reed Wilkins. More on 630Ched.com. Take care. Just keep moving on.
It's Friday. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.